This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the No Name Never podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley, and this week it's a preview show. We are looking ahead to Bournemouth at home this weekend. But before we get to that, I'm joined by regular panellist Adam Dennett, who is going to, with Statman Dave, talk us through the reaction to that Palace game. What on earth was going on between Trafford and Brownell for that sending off incident? Do we have a leader on the pitch? What is left for us this season and what pockets of optimism can this team deliver between now and the end of what feels like an inevitable season? Dave Statman Roberts will then put his Statman head on and talk us through all the stats, facts and hints that you need ahead of the Bournemouth game, including us rating our Bournemouth celebrity fans. So without further ado, let's go. Gentlemen, welcome. How are we both this sunny, rainy, miserable night in East Lancashire? It's not miserable at all. We're all happy here. How are you both? Yeah, not too uh, bad. Could be, could be a little bit better. We want some uh, positive results. We need some good vibes coming we through. We do. We do. Adam, I think this week we're going to be trying to channel some optimism towards the end of the season. That's all we've got left to try and, and get ourselves something happy. Do you agree? I think we've got it, haven't we? But uh, yeah, I'm smiling because it's um, a weekday and... There's no game yet, but um happy days. And in fact, <laughs> no. we are recording this. I, I know it's the preview show, it's Friday night. We actually, spoiler alert, recording this on Thursday night, as we tend to do, um, ahead of your Friday viewing and listening pleasure. And it is, of course, the 29th of February. It's a leap year. Um, we, it's a bonus day today, which I read quite a, a sad fact today in that yes, it's a bonus day, hurrah. Uh, for those of us who are on a fixed salary, we all worked for free today, which was a bit of a deflating it oh, oh Dave's shaking his head give me the stats well, it, it averages itself out because it's just one day every four years isn't it so but for that year if your salary is divided you, you, you're paying are you not working for free or is it is it I suppose your salary is divided by a, a year isn't it rather than a daily rate so for those people who are salaried by a daily rate they're working for free anyway let's not dwell on this um, no, they, li- they're getting paid an extra day oh yeah that's true do either, of you, do either of you know who, what name is for um, Burnley fans who were born on the 29th of February? No. Leap. No, Leaplings. Yeah, youngsters. Like, yeah, very youngsters. Leaplings. Leaplings are people born on the 29th of, of February. 
Pirates fans, if any of you are indeed a Leapling and you are celebrating your natural birthday today, firstly, happy birthday, happy 11th birthday for those of you who might be 44 or, um, you know, happy first birthday to, to our younger viewers. Um, I hope you're having a good day and I would be interested to know when you celebrate your birthday, usually 28th of February or the 1st of March. Do get in touch. I'm a bit of a loser with things like this and I would love to hear from you. There's two players as well. Two oh, former two, two former Burnley players were born the 29th. Yeah. Have uh, I preempted your stat for the later on in the show? No, well, obviously it's it's going out after the 29th, but I, I had uh, tweeted or posted this morning with the uh, the details that the two youngest Burnley players, uh, one is 14 today and the other one is 13. So they must they be in... 52 and what was the other one? Uh, 13 and 14, so born in 68 and 72. It's uh, Sean McGrory and also uh, Mike Pollitt, the goalkeeper. They were the two. Sean McGrory, I don't remember at all. Where did we get him? Which which team did he play in? Uh, 87 to 90. Oh, I was was literally just started my... I'd just started my Clarets career then, so I was a wee nipper. I don't remember him. Oh, excellent. Well, there you go. We have two Clarets leap plans. You see, it's almost like... I know that I have a stat man on the show. Let's move on before we get into all the stats and facts ahead of the Bournemouth game this weekend. Adam, another difficult weekend in the capital, another defeat. Burnley giving themselves a mountain to climb both this season and on the day. I think probably the writing was on the wall before that that's that game. But the Clarets fans who travelled down to the Palace game uh, are reporting a very difficult watch again. Um, a slightly directionless um, performance by our Clarets and one made absolutely impossible by the sending off of Josh Brownhill um, followed, which basically brought on by a shocking, shocking pass from James Trafford, um, which Brownhill should have just probably let him score, but he did do what he thought he was going to do, pulled him back and he was the last man and he had to go. I'm going to start with James Trafford, um, Adam, before we just talk about just general downness. We've, we've talked at length about how miserable we are this season. Um, does it, James Trafford's the is the divisive player in the group. A lot of people wanted him dropped a long time ago. A lot of people were disappointed that Murich wasn't given an opportunity to fight for his shirt. And as his confidence has got gradually worse throughout the season, I pose this question to you. In trying to build him in trying to insist that you've got and demonstrate that you've got confidence in your young keeper and give him the, the game time that he needs to improve is Vincent company actually throwing him to the lions a little bit and having an adverse effect on his confidence by consistently exposing him to um, these premier league attackers and fan criticism. It it's definitely seems that way now. Yeah. I think when, when, He's been brought in. I think he's he's always probably been showered in in praise. Everything that he's yeah. done previously has seemed to turn to gold. He's been England's youth goalkeeper at many levels, uh, lauded as as the next next England number one goalkeeper in a few years' time. Uh, League one uh, goalkeeper of the season last year. Big transfer fee. Won the Euros. It's all. It's been a been going but yeah. There's been no, trajectory. there's been no challenge to anything. It's, it's been seamless so far. No doors, yeah, and then barriers. Yeah, and obviously the big, the big price tag. I don't, I don't think he, he lacks belief. 
um, at the start, for sure, definitely. I think he was full of confidence. But I just don't... It's just a different level. But he's, he's the highest level he's played is League One. Mm-hmm. Um, and to come in... It's a and, big jump. And, yeah, a big in jump. In a key position as well, you can't hide. Yeah, yeah, in, a, in yeah, the key position. A tough run of fixtures at the start of the season. But I think at, at the start, I think I were defending him a bit because of um, like the potential... And the fact we had like a tough run of games, a lot of change in the teams. But I just think the fact that still every single week, there seems to be a very costly error at yeah. some point in the game. He's no doubt he's no doubt a very good like goalkeeper, but if you've got that that one or one mistake a game, you can't you can't do that he's in the so Premier League. Young against as well. this team. He's yeah, so young. And, and and when we're so vulnerable at uh, at set pieces, it makes the task so much harder as well. Like teams are already better than us at football. Uh, but one <laughs> thing that we always had previously was we were strong in both boxes yeah. at set pieces, and and yeah, so we've not got that at the top end of, p- of the pitch. But every time we concede a set piece, you you worried that you're gonna um, that you're gonna concede, and it's obviously we've missed the boat now um, in terms of our chances for. For survival, it seems a lot of people wanted the change earlier. We'll never know if it would have made made any difference, but um, yeah, I just think f- from his body language, I don't think his confidence is through the floor yet. But it must have way. taken some some battering over over the season, and um, and yeah, you you hope that doesn't have an impact on him on him longer term uh, if if we're going to keep the faith in him, which it seems like we probably will. I actually hope we do, because as much as I miss Murich, and, and I would caveat this, I'm not entirely sure Murich is the answer, by the way, people queuing. I, I feel sorry for Murich because I think he was dumped straight away for Trafford, and I, I always believed that he earned the right to fight for his shirt. So put Murich in, and if he outperforms, and then James Trafford, he can, do you know what I mean? It's like we've got the, we've got the time to, to be able to play him. But Murich was never given an opportunity to demonstrate what he could do at this league. I would love to see Trafford again in a championship. He was pure gold last year. But let's not forget that Murich wasn't without criticism. In the early stages of last season, we were calling for his head because it, it was messing around with his box, passing around with the back. The amount of goals, remember the goals we conceded in the first half of the championship through him messing around. So, listen, he's not the golden child. He's not the answer to all of this. Um, but... I just think that there is there was an opportunity there that we could have taken the pressure off Trafford and just taken the spotlight off it. Um, Dave, from your perspective, do you ever, as a man manager, take James Trafford out of that firing line? I mean, we're, we're speculating here because we don't know and none of us are qualified in sports science at all. But I guess what's the lesser of the two evils? Keeping him in there and saying look, you're going to get pelters, you're going to get criticism, but I've got your back and I believe in you. Or you say to the other, you say to the guy, I'm taking you away from this and we'll get you some game time and we'll we'll protect you from that until you're ready. What's, I guess, what's the, Vincent Company must have made that analysis, right? He must know. Yeah, it's a difficult one with goalkeepers, isn't it? It's obviously a specialist position and you do have limited options. I think Vincent Company also saw Murich in a couple of cup games Last season, didn't he? Saw him against uh, City and United in the. Uh, That's in the true. Cups, was he was he playing those? Oh no, actually, did, was he didn't, did he? Because uh, did barely he pick up Farrell. Farrell no. Oh he yeah, you're right. Actually, 
Yeah, you're right, because I think we all wanted him to play against City to see mm. how he would fare next season, and we never got to see it. I think you're right. If I, Yeah. Yeah, that, that's kind of at your back of your mind as well. It, it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. I think that you, you could have the reverse intention of what you're trying to do yeah, if you exactly. do that. So he kind of is sticking to his guns on it as as he has done with with lots of other things this season. And but I think sometimes it does get to the point where it's a case of, well, you know, just just for a week we're going to try something different. And if, if that doesn't work, you Fine, can kind go of back. Say, well, yeah. You can, you can you can go back. But you, if you don't try it, you don't know, do you? Yeah, I kind of got some sympathy for the company here. As as critical as I have been, and and a lot of my criticism over the past few weeks has just been down to real frustration because I'm just not seeing improvements this season. And it just gets me really annoyed when we don't seem to be learning from our mistakes. And you hit out at the team and you, you know, when we come and do these records, we try and stay balanced and we try and stay focused on an analysis here. But I have got some sympathy for an impossible situation that company is facing. If he sticks with, with, um, Trafford he is being consistent he is he's being true to his word he's sticking with his plan he's got a strategy and he's seeing it through to the end and that's a good thing if he makes the change he's tinkering with the team and he doesn't quite know what he's doing and is he which I was critical with at the beginning I didn't like the tinkering at the beginning and so you look at this from company's perspective it's like well I can't win here whether I stick with the team and breed consistency and breed confidence and keep this young team together to learn together, to grow together so that next season they are more experienced and they've been through that battle together and there's that brotherhood and they can go down. And I think James Trafford will have a fantastic season in the championship, by the way. Or does he swap it and change it and he doesn't work and then he hasn't got a consistently balanced side? So he can't win, really. Um, It's very difficult. Adam, one of the more knee-jerk reactions I would suggest on social media following the Palace game was the unfair, I would say, reaction to Josh Brownhill as he was sent off. Um, it was a mistake from Trafford, uh, a horrible pass. In the heat of the moment, Brownhill made the decision to pull the player back. Don't know why he thought he was going to get away with that in the age of VAR um, and was subsequently sent off. You know, In hindsight, he'll probably know himself. It's much better to just let the goal go and try and get an equaliser with 11 men. He was sent off and he was pictured in an unfortunate angle with a water bottle leaving the pitch with a smirk on his face. Fans criticising him, saying that he you know, he doesn't care, he was laughing as he got sent off, what sort of leader is that? I don't believe for one minute that that was Brownell's intention. No, I think only he'll know, Wally, but going off the... Um four years or whatever he's been been at, at the club he's, he's always been quite like a role model really good attitude on the pitch um, a, a leader um, probably one of the only ones we got left um, and yeah it seemed very out of character but like you say if you just take that one one image couple of seconds of him laughing I think he's just probably bemused at the situation and just just can't yeah. believe what's just happened, and um, I probably a bit of saving face as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's we've all been in that situation where you're laughing in a in a bad moment and and Awkward just move moment. on. And, yeah, but I don't. I, it's it's been blown out of well out of proportion. Um, I don't think that's a reflection on on his commitment or or no. his attitude or um anything like that um towards I the agree. club. Um, so that, yeah, that said though. 
one of the criticisms is that he's a really weak captain. Now, would Josh Brownhill be my first choice as a captain? Probably not. I think he brings a lot of qualities to the side. He's one of our senior representatives. He gets the town. He gets the club. He's a thoroughly nice guy. He doesn't necessarily strike me as a strong personality on the pitch. But then neither was Ben Mee. Ben Mee was very quiet. He was very He spoke very well. But Ben Mee was never a shouter or a, a big personality on the pitch. He wasn't a Roy Keane on the pitch, for example. Um, I don't know why that was my go-to reference then, but it was. There you go. Um, <laughs> so in the absence, like, okay, let's say Josh Brownhill's not the right captain for this side. Who on earth is? I think that's part of the problem. I think when you exactly. look at all of all of the sides that we've had in the Premier League in the past, we've had so many leaders down the spine, um, like Tarkovsky, me, Cork, Westwood, um, even Barnes. Oh, you've extent, got yeah. so many leaders within that that group, yeah. and it's hard not to make comparisons when we've been so successful relative to the size of the club we are over so many years that you don't go back to uh, to that, especially when you, it's a perceived lack of effort that you see in front of your eyes week in, week out at the moment and the dropping of heads and you just can't help but question the attitude of the, the whole team um, and and just how trodden, uh, downtrodden they all seem to be at the moment. So yeah. I, I wouldn't pick anyone else from from the side we've got at the moment as, as captain over over Brownie. I think, like you said, it's it's just a split second error on his part, the ball from Trafford is suicide. He probably should, as a Premier League footballer, he needs to do better in those split second moments. He should know his instinct should be to yeah, he in, can't bring somebody down. Yeah, exactly. Having someone down like that, it come the, I think the right were on the wall anyway. Anyway, the, that first 30, 35 minutes were shocking before the red card. Yeah. If anything, like it took Amdouni off the pitch with him, who was anonymous anyway. And we Struggling, um, isn't he? We're pulling on, and it, um, I don't think we were much worse for those, uh, for the period between the sending off and, and the first goal than we were in that first half an hour, anyway. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's poor decision making, but again, it's it's a Trafford error that's led to it. And like you said about identity, it's playing out from the back, but we, we don't really get anywhere, we're just, we're just it's not risk and reward. At the moment, it's no, just it's risk. not. It's risk. We mess about and then lump it anyway, but we don't have an outlet. It's there's no identity. In obviously, we did have last season, and maybe in the early part of this season, people are saying he's sticking to his guns. Now I don't see any of that. We're I think forty percent possession at home to Luton. That wouldn't have happened in in the games last year. It, it's it's just it's a team completely short of confidence and and don't know what direction they're going in in, in my opinion and, and the red card yet yeah, obviously made it a, an impossible task but like I said I, I couldn't see any other result than a Palace win at that point in the game anyway yeah no I agree you said sorry <laughs> no 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 it's good no you're good you're good um Dave the other thing that's happened this week um is the appeal has come through from Everton's FFP ban reduced from 10 points to six points I think it came as a bit of a shock. I think everybody was expecting that they were going to get it increased, not decreased, because when they look, took a greater look at it, they'd realised that actually it was worse than they first feared. Yes, they have got the, the second ban that they've got to, to think of yet, but it basically fires Everton well out of the, the relegation zone and puts us 11 points clear um, 
albeit subject to forest's points deduction. Feels like that was it. Felt like that was the final end to our season when that result came in and we were no longer hoping for points deductions for two sides. It's now us and Sheffield United and one from Luton and Forest, depending on what Forest get in terms of it. I think, I know you, you like to be, it's not over until it's over and there's no such thing as a must-win game, but very hard to see anything other than championship football. We've left ourselves a massive, massive mountain to climb, surely. It was, yeah, in terms of Everton, it was like almost getting two results in a day, wasn't it? Getting four points back. It was like getting a, a win and a draw for them on uh, Monday without having to play a match. Um, they, they jumped up to, I think, 15th place, didn't they? they with, did, yeah. uh, with those four points. Plus, it means that perhaps uh, whatever punishment is meted out to Forest and Everton for the following uh, year is likely to be more lenient than it otherwise would have been. So, yeah, will be now because they're not um, going to whisk and appear appeal again. Yeah, I mean, it got to the point. It was getting to the point where our only hope was just kind of stay on on their coattails to some extent and see what happened with the. Uh, we believe it's April, I think, for the uh, for the decision on the on the following season for Forest and, and Everton. So we should find out before the end of the season uh, at least. Um, our aim was really to sort of stay on their coattails. We've not even managed to to do that. Certainly no. not with the extra four points that, that Everton have got back. Um, we would need to put together a, a you know a run of two or three consecutive wins. We've only had that all season, so it's not like we're going to. It'd be very unlikely for us to do that. But we've got to treat it a game at a time. We've got to look at it on Sunday and say, look, we you've got to start somewhere with these things. Bournemouth is. A more winnable game. I'm not saying it's an easy game by any stretch. When you look at the stats, it's it's fairly even actually. I mean, we we're all talking it down to some extent. You look at the uh, Opta analyst stats that come out for every match. Uh, they're predicting basically 35% Burnley win, 30% draw, and 35% Bournemouth. So oh, they see it on that's about as even as you can get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we'll, we'll finish off with this, Adam, before we move on to Dave and his Dave's stats for that game. It feels to me at the moment that we're in a repair job now. We're trying to repair um, a relationship with some, get myself into bother with that again, with some of the fan base who feel very disconnected from this side, don't necessarily understand what's happening, are a little bit annoyed with what's happened this season and have fallen out of love with VK quite a bit. Um, some of the fan base for balance are still very much behind this side, still optimistic that we will survive. Um, and also still very much believe that the company is the man to take us forward. All opinions perfectly valid. We like to keep balance on here, not getting myself into bother again this week. Um, it feels to me that that will start by finding whatever pockets of optimism we can and a win at home this week, whilst it may not impact on the remainder of the season, would at least give the fans that show up and give their support something to just raise spirits a bit. I, th I think that's all all we want at the moment. Really, it's just a bit of respite from um, from these relentless defeats. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, just been, it's just been horrible, and I, I'm I'm I find, I find myself arguing in my own head at the moment with where what I should be thinking. I've been obsessed with. Is your brain talking me. back to you, Adam? Because that might yeah, be a little pretty, bit concerning. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm just I'm going over things in my own head. I've like I've been obsessed with Burnley since I were a lad, and I can't I can't remember a time when I've cared less about going to the games. 
and, and yeah. I've never taken in less content outside of the f- actual football than I have done this season. It, the football's just enough. And then I'm thinking, is like, am I just doing that because we're not winning games? Do I need to back the team now more than ever? And it's just like, but I'm, you just, when you see the team doing the, making the same mistakes every single week and not showing any signs of improvement or any tar, any signs of changing, the manager won't change things. The owners won't change the manager. I'm, I'm not, and then I'm thinking, look at what company did last year with a squad that, that came down. We should have a better squad this time. So who else would we want in charge? And it's like, I'm all I'm doing is criticising them for not changing, but then I'm coming up with the conclusion that I don't want them to change it anyway. Yeah. It's, it's so many mixed feelings and, and most of them negative and you see that across the fan base and it's, it's all become a bit toxic. So I think a win would just be just release some of the pressure and just you can just enjoy the day and have something to to go into the week feeling happy about and that um probably at the end of the season I've never I haven't really looked forward to the end of the season as much since probably Brian Laws was in charge for that second Ooh, half of the ouch. season. Yeah I've blocked that but bit out of my mind. It, it's it's probably getting to that stage but it's yeah next year in the championship I'm sure there'll be plenty to look forward to. Yeah. We'll all get our modules back in the summer when things are happening and hopefully we'll have a similar campaign that we have in the last few times within the championship. But yeah, it's a slog at the moment and a win at the weekend, even though it's probably not big in terms of the bigger picture would, yeah, it, it just really lifts the mood. Excellent. Well said, Adam. Well said. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, with that in mind, let's look ahead to the second part of this week's podcast, and that is, of course, our preview show brought to you by Statman Dave. It's usually brought to you by the Non Never podcast, and it is, but it's Dave Statman Roberts' baby, this guy. He lives and breathes stats, and we're very grateful we have him. So, Dave, let me get my script up. Um, Where am I? Where are my listeners? Where am I? I'm all over the place. I've been... uh, Happily going along talking about next season of the championship, and I forgot we do actually have a Premier League fixture that we have to do. It is Saturday, Sunday, the 3rd of March, 1 pm kickoff, live on Sky Sports in the UK, and it is Bournemouth at home. Dave, kick us off, please, with your match results summary. Yeah, Burnley have an almost unblemished home record against the Cherries with just one defeat Uh-oh. in 14 previous league meetings at Turf Moor. Unsurprisingly, with just one home league defeat to discuss, uh, we'll be keeping that match back for our one to forget feature, which we'll come to very soon. Uh, The first nine of the matches on our list were all in the third tier. That was between 1983 and 1999. And we also had just one season together in the the second tier. That was in the championship in 2013-14. The remaining four seasons together prior to the current campaign we're all in the Premier League and have produced three Burnley wins along with that single home league defeat. 
All in all, we've won exactly half of our home league games against Bournemouth, so that's seven wins, along with six draws, plus the aforementioned defeat. In terms of goals, there have been 28 for Burnley and 11 for the Cherries. Bournemouth, however, do have a more recent victory at Turf Moor. They were 2-1 winners in an FA Cup fifth-round tie. That was in February 2021, a match which took place behind closed doors due to the COVID pandemic restrictions which were in place at the time. Excellent. Sorry, I was just getting distracted then by some fan tweets that I was going to read out and I you got to the end of that quicker than I thought you were. Um, let's move on then, Dave, to that very feature, the one that you're holding back, which is our one to remember and one to forget. Um, it's a chance to revisit, listeners, a couple of past matches that stir up some contrasting emotions for both teams. You're going to go with one to forget first, Dave, or are we going to go one to remember? No, we're going to do it as we usually do. First up, that defeat. Uh, so 2017-18 had been a memorable season for Burnley fans, with Sean Dyche's team securing a very impressive seventh-place finish in the Premier League and a place in the qualifying rounds of the Europa League, even before the final match of the campaign, which was at home to Bournemouth. Everything was going well, as Chris Wood deflected Ashley Westwood's shot past Asmir Begovic in the 39th minute. But matters did not go our way after the break. Firstly, Josh King curled a shot past Nick Pope to level the scores. That was with 15 minutes remaining. And Eddie Howe's Bournemouth became the ultimate party poopers when substitute Jermaine Defoe took advantage of a slip by Kevin Long. And another substitute, Callum Wilson, was on hand to slot in a late winner for the visitors in the third minute of added time. Thankfully, the hard work had already been done and we were all left to reflect on the most successful season in the club's recent history and the highest finish in the top flight since 1973-74. OK, so what about our one to remember then, please? OK, well, despite a 5-1 Burnley win in September 1983 and a couple of more recent 4-0 victories, they were in February 1994 and September 2018, uh, I've actually gone for our one to remember with a match that was a much closer scoreline. We're going back to December 2016, and once again it was our former manager, Eddie Howe, in the opposition dugout to take on his successor, Sean Dyche. Burnley's number 13 gave us an early lead in the 13th minute, and what a goal it was. Matt Lowton played the ball forward to Jeff Hendrick, who mm. managed to control the, control the ball with his foot, before taking a touch on his knee and finding the net with a dipping volley from just outside the box. It seemed like a goal the season contender at the time, and unsurprisingly took the honours in the club's end-of-season awards. <laughs> Three minutes later, following a Stephen DeFore corner, Stephen Ward eventually scrambled the, the ball home to double the lead. But it was somewhat of a surprise when the visitors pulled a goal back through Benny Kofobi just before half-time. The next goal came from the boot of George Boyd, who took a neat pass from Andre Gray uh, before beating Arthur Borrock with a low-angle shot, 15 minutes before the end, to restore our two-goal advantage. But the Cherries pulled another goal back in injury time when Charlie Daniels powered a shot past Tom Heaton following a quickly taken corner from ex-Claret Mark Pugh. Although we won the match 3-2, it was much closer than seemed likely following the blistering start we had. But despite that, I certainly think we'd settle for more of the same this weekend. Yeah, we certainly would. Let me take a drink, listeners. Um, I did see an absolutely brilliant... Uh, I keep calling it a tweet. It's still Twitter to me. I did see a brilliant post on X this week. And 
forgive me if you're listening to this. I can't remember who it was who posted it, so I can't fully credit you, but it did make me chuckle immensely. And if somebody said, I'm still waiting for the post start about how this season is all Jeff Hendricks' fault. And I did, it just didn't make me laugh. And it, it kind of like kind of reminded me that, you know what? Yes, this season has been difficult and it's been challenging and we're all feeling really miserable about it. But aside from last season, haven't we had things to whinge about every single season for as long as I can remember? You know, our older generation of listeners have been to the 600 mile round trips to watch us get beat in the rain. They've seen the Orient game. They've seen us, you know, when I was young and first started watching, we went through the, the ITV digital collapse, which nearly saw us going into the whole EFL going to financial ruin. And I'm not entirely sure the EFL's ever really recovered from the ITV digital collapse. You know, there's been things every every season where we've had things, you know, even our inaugural Premier League season, which should have just been an absolute ride. We got uh, Coyle leaving us halfway through and our entire club getting raided by Bolton. So there's always something there. I think that's that makes us what we are as Burnley fans. It makes us very, very gritty. Um, right, uh, let's move on. Where were we? Uh, opposition view. This time, Sam from the Bournemouth fan channel Back of the Net is providing our opposition view. Listeners, you know that we like to get somebody else on to tell us what they think of the game. Um, so here is Sam giving it his thoughts ahead of this weekend. Now, I know that Burnley fans probably see this game against Bournemouth as a must-win, but most Cherries fans are feeling somewhat similar as we haven't got a W in 2024. Our season's been really interesting, actually. I think you can compartmentalise it into three different sections. The first section, under a new manager, playing a different style of football, players trying to get out of the Gary O'Neill mould of football. By the way, he's doing well at Wolves, isn't he? But under Andoni Ariola, it's an expansive style, it's exciting, but it didn't quite work at the start. And weirdly, it was our game against Burnley that provided the sliding doors moment, really. The 2-1 win, VAR playing its part in the last minute, ruling Jay Rodriguez's goal offside thankfully for us and who knows what would have happened to Iriola had that goal went in because that was one of the games we were looking at as a must win thankfully we did and then it turned out to be the catalyst for a really good mid part of the season in November and December where we played really well and we claimed some famous wins Uh, the 3-0 at Manchester United was huge for us and will live long in the memory but I think Those performances, probably from the manager's perspective, he built a rod for his own back because it's been pretty underwhelming since then. We've been playing still a very expansive style, but we're just not clinical. And the word on our podcast often is clinicality, and sometimes we lack it. And recently, it seems like we have. We've just been recently dumped out the FA Cup after a game against Manchester City, our last Premier League game, where we lost 1-0, but we were good. And in the second half... We almost peppered their goal and we felt unlucky to actually walk away with zero points there. But that hopefully will provide some momentum for us. But we got a problem because Dom Solanke was limping down the touchline in the Leicester FA Cup match in the week. And it's not known whether he's going to be available or not. He might not. And our other backup striker is also not available as well. So it may be that we have to play one of our wingers, our wide men like Cliver up front or maybe even Antoine Semenyo. So it's it shouldn't be regarded as a no-hope game for, for Burnley fans. And look, Bournemouth's record at Turf Moor isn't particularly great, is it? I think Bournemouth, in terms of our, our team lineup, let's assume that Dom Solanke is playing. 
I'm going to manifest it, hoping that he is. We'll probably line up with Neto in goal. Familiar back four of Smith, Zabani, Senesi and Milos Kerkes on the left. In front, Lewis Cook and Ryan Christie. Keep your eyes peeled for Ryan Christie, by the way. He works so, so hard. He's brilliant. In the number 10 role, just ahead of them, Justin Cliver. And then we'll have a couple of wide men. Sinistera on the left is likely. Semenyo on the right. And then Solanke up front. If Solanke's not fit, I think it will be Semenyo going up front. And maybe someone like Dango Watara or Marcus Tavernier coming in wide. However, look, I'm I'm expecting a an interesting game. I think... It's important for us that we score first because when we don't, it almost saps our confidence. So if you score first, then who knows what could happen. But if I'm going to put a prediction on it, I'm going to say that Bournemouth pull through this and maybe just scrape a win. But we're not going to fly away with it. I think Burnley won, Bournemouth two. Davido, referee, please. Who be it this week? Okay, well, the last time David Coote of Newark took charge for Burnley match was at Turf Moor back in November 2022. Uh, That was just before the World Cup break. You'll probably recall that match finishing as an emphatic 3-0 home win against the team just a few miles down the M65. Uh, The first half of a memorable double last season. It was a sixth victory with David Coote as referee, and there have also been five previous draws and five defeats going back as far as 2012. The 16 previous matches under David Coote have not resulted in any dismissals, and the yellow card count for once is level, with 23 for and 23 against. His PGMOL Select Group 1 colleague, Jared Gillett, who was in the middle for our recent heavy home defeat to Arsenal, will this time be on replays duty as the video assistant referee on Sunday. Say that again, Dave. I really liked how you said that. Who's his Which colleague? P-G-M-O-L. P-G-M-O-L. <laughs> oh, Dave, you are wonderful. Don't ever change. Um, right. This is the section where we come on to do our preview and we discuss the weekend. Oh, Adam, what are we looking for this weekend? We've talked about the optimism. We've talked about the pockets. Team-wise, Charlie Taylor, do we think he's going to be a, get a full game again? You know... What other changes do we make? Does he change? A lot of fans saying that this is the game now we've got nothing to lose. They want Benson back in. They want Cullen back in. They want Murich to have a go. At this point, does he just rip it all up and see what he can do to appease the fans? Or does he tell us all to mind our own business and we don't have coaching badges and we need to trust him? <laughs> well, we didn't really talk about it, but the, tri- the triple sub in the last minute uh, last week just seemed oh. like a very pointless exercise to... Yeah. Uh, uh, just before he made his way to the fans to apologise, yeah, it was like, yeah, mate, they're going to see that right through that. <laughs> I, can't, I can't, obviously. Oh, on, just got, a second, Adam. Dave, what on earth are you doing pointing at your screen? I was just <laughs> muting, I'm unmuting myself. I can't do it by pointing at the screen. Sorry. So, so please do realise that we do now offer a video offering and our listeners that are now are just seeing this all the time on your screen. So can you behave yourself please and can we be more professional for our new the YouTube the mute button is sorry I can't help it. <laughs> Adam, forgive us. Dave was distracting <clears throat> our viewers there. Please do carry on. <laughs> uh, I've lost my trail of thought. I'm well, so sorry that's my fault. No, I'm it's so all right. Uh, uh, so yeah, the, I, I up the, fans see, the wrong way the triple substitute. I, yeah I can't see making wholesale changes um but obviously we've got to make the change with Brownhill. So it'll be yes. interesting to see what, what he does there, whether it's just Cullen it's coming Cullen. in. Yeah. 
Um, I've seen some fans calling for Masengo to be getting, giving some game time. I think obviously he's, he's come in, he's got a half decent reputation. We've not seen anything of him. So I've liked him, but the bits that we have seen of him, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think the first thing he did when he came into the ring was give a foul throwaway. But uh, oh, yeah. no, that's yeah, that's maybe you know, uh, yeah. really pedantic. No, that's he, not um, being picky, Adam. For goodness' I know, sake. I know, sorry, that's that's <laughs> me. Really bad. I'd, I would be interested to see him because you'd think that he would be a big player next, next season. So yeah. why not? In this situation, in, we're in no downhill. Mm-hmm. Maybe put put them both in and um, and move Burge a bit further up because, like I, I want to see like, Burge in that number ten role. I think yeah, he needs I'm, to be there. I'm doing it as talented as he is, and as much as I I really rated him early on in the season, I think he's just becoming more and more anonymous in games. Yeah, and um, I don't. It seems like a decent opportunity to try um, pulling. Masengo and Burge a bit further forward. Gives us a bit more of a physical presence up the pitch as well. Um, and then, obviously, it'd be great to see Benson given a game. Um, but whether we will or not, I'm, um, I don't know. I think we'll probably see maybe a 20-minute run out off the bench before we see him starting games. Um, other than that, I think Tom, um, Tom used this phrase a couple of years ago about deck chairs on the Titanic. Um, it feels it feels a bit I've like that. that. Deck chairs on the um, Titanic. I think. I wonder. If, I think. I think that was the title of our podcast last time. I'll have to leave that to producer Matt. I'm not sure we're allowed. I don't think our no, I don't think software will let us do the same. Plagiarism there, wouldn't it? With there's enough plagiarism of Tom's quotes online at the moment, regardless. So yeah, exactly. Um, yes, people people have taken a certain phrase which we can't repeat because it's a family friend. Actually, do you know, poor Matt, I did have, didn't half have his work cut out for him last week. He had to use his blooper button that many times on the analysis show. Um, so let's not cut. Yeah, there's, uh, Tom's getting his stuff ripped off like nobody's business yeah. right now. Um, I think, so I just think I'd like to see a more high energy performance and, yes. um, and just really have a go because I think as Burnley fans, that's what we really appreciate seeing and I don't think we've seen the, like the graph. So. Mm. Just go and give it some, and we'll, we'll you'll get a, a much more positive reaction from the fans as well. Yeah, definitely, Dave. There is a danger that an already quite toxic and downbeat atmosphere at Turf Moor after that Arsenal game there was a there was a shift in fan attitude after that Arsenal game. And critically for me, the the cricket field stand emptied, which is never a good sign because that's where your absolute diehard fans are, and they're the ones that stay to the bitter end. Um, that was half empty. It just that just wasn't good. Um. Is there a real is there a real danger that a bad performance and a particularly heavy defeat escalates that? Or do you think we've I do think we've hit the point now where that was the peak of our frustration? Um, I, I disagree with you to some extent. So I don't think it's been that toxic. I think there's been more a case of um, people voting with their feet and just walking out. Yeah. There's been people leaving early rather than okay, staying till later yeah. to prevent the frustration. Um, which is can be a, a good or a, a bad thing depending on how you how you view that. Um, we we just need a performance. So we need a performance. Need to get the, uh, the the fans behind the team from the very start. Not saying they haven't been, but you know, real positive start on and off the pitch and and build from that. But it's it, it's sometimes that can happen. You can get a decent start, and then the first thing that starts to go wrong, then it it, it kind of festers to some extent. So. Which ideally, an early goal would sort of settle the nerves a little bit. 
and uh, try and push on from there and try and try and get a, a, a positive result. That's all we can hope for for uh, for Sunday. Where the hell does that goal come from, though? With Foster being out again, where where do we get a goal from? It's not yeah, a side well, that screams goals, does it? Fafana came on as uh, and sub and scored a couple, and then he's uh, he's not managed to to bag since then, has he? So he could do with a, a goal for for his confidence, really. I mean, it has only been a couple of games. I think I don't think that confidence from that first game will have waned. Waned is that waved? What am I trying to say? Waned. Waned. Thank you. Um, Arsenal was never going to to get a goal anyway, and and Palace was just a difficult game all round because once we went down to ten men and one goal down, it was a lot of it was just trying to cautious. Yeah, the, um, the dis- sorry, the disallowed goal were harsh as well. I thought. Um, yes. Farmer scored in it. Actually, that's true. Um, like, I don't think the keeper were getting anywhere near it, to be no, honest. No, I agree. And he could see the ball as he struck it. But, yeah, understandable why they decided. it. But, yeah, he did, he did put the ball in the net. That harsh. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, you, you're probably right there. Um, do you want to both give me a score prediction then, please? <laughs> go on, Adam. Dave's going to go Three for a draw, bird. I know it. Oh, yeah, I love it, Dave. Don't say Dave. Uh, well... As I mentioned, uh, well, mentioned earlier that the, uh, the the stats have it fairly even, 35 oh, Burnley, <laughs> and it, even even Chris Sutton, even Chris Sutton has predicted a one-one draw. So I'm going to go one better than Chris Sutton and say we're going to win two-one. I'm going to go one better than Adam and say that Burnley are going to win four-nil. There you go, <laughs> listeners. You know the drill by now. We want your score predictions, please. You can. Send us uh, comments via social media or you can email us at podcast, no, not podcast, preview show at known and ever not deck. Quite frankly, podcast also works. However you want to get in touch, do. We love to hear from you. Uh, Dave, then let's wrap up this section, please. Um, oh, do we have a stat of the week? No, it's gone. Will you please stop messing with my script? <laughs> There's certain parts of this show that I do tend to go into autopilot and I always them after we've had a score prediction, miscellaneous stats of the week, and now we're not. We're moving into da 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 our listeners' new favourite feature, which is rating Bournemouth's celebrity fans. Now, bit of a spoiler here, listeners. The scores from the Known and Ever panel ahead of recording was low. Bournemouth are very much in the relegation zone right now. Dave wasn't a prime week for celebrity fans. Why don't you talk our listeners through where they got to, please? Uh, yes, it was somewhat of a challenge pulling together a, a list. We usually try and find uh, six celebrity fans for each club, and I will try and let you know how we've, how we've got on with that. <laughs> um, if, if the list from last time for Crystal Palace was rather actor-heavy, this time it's the turn of the music industry to do most of the heavy lifting for Bournemouth. Alex Ooh. James, the musician who was born in Boscombe, near Bournemouth, and is now 55 years old. He's been the bassist with indie Britpop band Blur for over 30 years and is a lifelong supporter of his local club. 44-year-old drummer Matt Tong was born in Bournemouth and was formerly with Block Party, who I have heard of, uh, but he's now with the band Algiers. No, me neither. No, me neither. Uh, The third of a trio of musicians was also one third of the indie rock band The Claxons, who were active from 2005 to 2015. Uh, It's not the one who married Kieran Knightley. That was uh, James Wrighton. But the lesser known, Jamie Reynolds, 
who's 40 years old and grew up in Bournemouth. Uh, yeah, next yeah. up is Mel Bush. He's an 82-year-old Dorset businessman who, as well as being a successful pop promoter, is also the father-in-law of ex-Claret's assistant manager, Jason Tyndall, who, of course, also had that role at Bournemouth alongside Eddie Howe and is still with him at Newcastle United. Uh, you can tell we're scraping the barrel uh, when the next name is only on our list as he's picked Bournemouth name out of a hat to support when he was a guest on Soccer AM. Uh, that was 41-year-old actor Seth Rogen. He was born in Canada, but has dual Canadian and US citizenship. A big name, undoubtedly, but whether he can be counted as a proper Cherries fan is very debatable indeed. And this is where I really began to struggle. Harry and Jamie Redknapp are both ineligible for the very clear rules of our famous fans feature. They both played for the club and Harry also managed them for a decade between 1983 and 1992. TV presenter Jane Middlemiss was another name which cropped up. But as far as I can tell, this is also a red herring. Surely she's a Newcastle fan. Well, she's, de- well, she's, she's not a, a Cherries fan, but lots of people were saying that she was. Uh, apparently her boyfriend was a at one point was a, a Bournemouth fan, so that's probably why. Uh, Russell Brand is another name that was mentioned by some sources, but it appears that he's a West Ham United fan, which is probably a blessing in disguise for Bournemouth, less so for the Hammers. Uh, so with that, uh, we've got a fa- we've got a, a first this week for famous fans. We've got a famous five rather than a famous six, just five names for you to consider rather than the usual six, but will it affect the scores? Yeah, that's a terrible list. I'm sorry, I'm not letting this go, Dave. The very clear rules of the celebrity fans, which you decide to swap and change whenever you feel like it. The overriding rule being that Dave's rules are final and whatever rule Dave decides on that week is the last one. So don't give me that nonsense. Um, The average score coming in from the team, the panellists and none and ever was a three. I'm struggling. I would give it a two, to be honest, Adam. I think that's a terrible list. Where are you going with that? Three were generous. I think I I put three in there, but it's, yeah. A bad list. Awesome. Yeah. We've obviously now apologies both to Clar- to Clarets fans for completely jinxing it this weekend, and we're going to have retribution by said celebrity fans celebrating a 5 0 defeat against Burnley because we jinxed them. But also apologies to Cherries fans. Your list is terrible. You need some better celebrity fans, please. They, to be fair, Natalie, they say the same. I'm looking on their. Oh, I, I did ask last, last time we did it, and also looking around other sites. They basically admit they've they've got no celebrity fans. Okay, well, there you go then. In that case, then, I'm going to keep it at three, just because of their humbleness and their willingness to uh, not give us grief for letting So, actually, I'm going to keep it at three. There you go. Bournemouth, your current celebrity fan list is at three. Now, that's the end. That wraps up our preview for this week's show. Adam, what is going on in the world of the known and ever FPL? Apart from uh... getting 101 in one week, and nine, very close, 98 the week before. Yeah, join the 100 club. Well I done, did. Natalie. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's getting getting to crunch time for the FPL uh, in FPL now. Uh, so after blank game week 26, um, the no-near-never top three are Andy Bick um, in third place. Beth and Perry uh, moved up to second and closed the gap behind Jake Wed- Edwards, our long-term leader, uh, to 26 points, so within touching distance now for a very good week. 
Uh, we've also got February Manager of the Month to uh, to crown, and congratulations uh, congratulations to Chris Stamworth. Uh, if you want to get in oh, touch. I know him. I think Dear, I think I went to school with him. I think that's the same Chris Stamworth. Yeah, I, th- I went to school with him. Um, I think he saw it when I put it on my personal Facebook page. I think he's joined from there. So I will drop him a message and say, "Oi, would you like a sticker?" And he'll get say, a yeah, sticker, yes, yeah. I would get a yeah, sticker. Definitely. I will stickers. Um, and yeah, there's there's plenty of planning to do after the FA Cup results uh, this week. It couldn't have gone much worse FPL wise, uh, with no shocks, meaning there's only four fixtures in game week 29. So 12 teams will blank. Um, so yeah, we're in game week 27 now, but um, th- two game weeks down the line will be very, very disruptive. Um, it'll be very team dependent, but the easiest way to deal with this is to use your free hit chip, uh, which allows that, you to pick a brand new team for one week only. Uh, but then your team will revert back to how it was the following week. Um, it is worth noting down how many players you'll have playing in game week 29 in your current squad, uh, because if you, if you can use the three free transfers you've got available to get up to maybe nine or ten players uh, in that week, then it might be worth saving your free hit chip for one of the double game weeks later on. But the majority of people, um, the free hit will be the best option. If you don't have your free hit chip left, uh, then you could use your second wild card um, to try and get around it. And if you don't have that either, then you'll just have to muddle through the best you can. Um, but make sure that you bring in players that are playing in game week 29 in the next few weeks. Um, the next deadline is Saturday, the 2nd of March. And again, this week, it's slightly later at 1.30pm. And as always, at the No Name Ever podcast, we're wishing you all green arrows for game Yay! week 27. Green Arrows is back. Look at that. Oh, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> I we need, do have I need myself one of those. That that should be the trophy uh, at the end of the season for the win. <gasps> that should be Green the Arrows trophy. Mm, yes. I think so. Right. Right now, producer Matt is editing this podcast and he has got his head in his hands and going, Bromley, for the love of God, will you stop making my job <laughs> even harder than it is? Well, yes, let's make a Green Arrows. That can be our brand. Adam, I love it. So after after appearing on that fantastic uh, podcast that we did, um, that um, FPL special, I did one good thing and one bad thing. The bad thing was is that I completely forgot forgot about the blank week, blank game week thing that you told me not to do. So I went into last week with way too many players from Spurs, Liverpool, who didn't have any games and uh, only one free transfer. But I had a look in it and the the, t- the both of the players that I was playing in my heads up battles were going to trounce me anyway. They were like well at the top of their leagues. So I decided not to waste a transfer and it wouldn't have made any difference either or waste my free hit. And I took the loss that week because it didn't really affect my league position in the head-to-heads. But I am going to do exactly what you say. On game week 29, I'm going to have saved my free hit and I'm going to use it that week. So um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, let's give me a B- minus for that, Adam. I did listen, you, then I forgot, but then I remember. No, you're your own you're homework. Way. You're way better than that. Dave. She's come she's come on a, a million miles since you used to talk FPL with her. I'm sorry, Dave. What's that? I didn't quite hear that. Say what now? <laughs> come on. Well done, Bromley. Three. No, he's not playing, is he? Well, I look forward to it. Are you gonna play? Did you, you didn't enter this year, did you, Dave? No, I didn't add a rest this next season. Next year, next year, then I can beat you, and that would be great. Um, excellent. Well, yes, green arrows to all of you, uh, listeners. That is all we have time for this week. Um, let's get to the turf on Sunday. Let's try not to make it toxic. Let's try and just 
see what we can do with this team has not delivered this season. It's been a challenging season, but you know what? We've only got a few games left to bear it. And you never know. We need to find some pockets of um, optimism. And even if this season gets any worse, we've got to pick ourselves up for next season and we've got to go against. So we might as well start now. And I take my own advice from that. I know I've been frustrated and I've been down in the dumps about this season. I will take my own medicine and I will do as I say, not as I do. So um, let's try and see if we can get some good feel around the club on Sunday. Um for those of you travelling to Turf Moor, do take care of your travels and Godspeed to all of you. And for everybody who does make it there, please raise the roof. We will be back next week with an analysis show and a preview show. We'll be looking ahead to the next game with Dave next Friday, the preview show, and the team will be back midweek to give you the immediate match reaction to that game at the weekend. And you never know, we might be celebrating another 5 mil home win. Uh, my thanks to everybody who has contributed to making this show to my panellists Adam Dennett and Dave Roberts who have given us a fantastic episode and Dave especially for all of his work in compiling those stats to producer Matt who's knitted this together and put it out there and to the rest of the panel for giving us the material through the week offline for us to discuss with you on air I've been Natalie Bromley this has been the preview show brought to you by the None and Ever podcast until next time the Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. Our host and editor is Natalie Bromley and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Rich Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby and Adam Dennett. Our music is provided by George Gaskell and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting noneneverdotsubstack.com. Thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are proud to be associated with the TalkSport Fan Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.